I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, Aaron here. Uh, Jim and I are back with another commission podcast. Uh, this one, uh, Rylan from the forums who participated in the 2017 Bald Move Fantasy Football League, which is put on every year by Hatorian. We actually had enough uh, players to fill three leagues, and Shit. every year, as is tradition, Jim and I put uh, commission podcasts uh, up for grabs, which will be redeemed uh in the around the Super Bowl time because you know it's a it's a it's a football celebration. We need to create like a Super Bowl for TV because I don't feel like there's anything related to television or bald move that's football related. Yeah. Uh, so it's a little weird that we're doing like just as foot. Why don't we do NBA? Why don't we do MLB? Why don't we do? Because I'm not a fan. WNBA. I'm not a fan of any of those things. Well, apparently you're not a fan of football anymore. It's, according it's, to it's you, slipping. So, it's yeah. slipping. I feel I will like say, could we do like a TV Super Bowl? I will say. That's first of all. That's a great idea. You should get right on that. <laughs> oh, you sure. You should find your Hatorian to, to manage this enterprise and, yeah. and get right on that. Uh, two, uh, I watched a lot of football last week, and I watched both the championship games and had a blast. Hmm. Oh, okay. Neither result was to my liking, but it's it was fun. Like it's been a good long time because I've watched two or three Colts games this year, and it's a disgrace. But seeing like crisp, professionally executed American football was a lot of fun. I miss it. Hmm. I miss it. I'm going to have to. I think I got the money to get like uh, a Sunday ticket next year so I can watch all the Colts games and maybe uh, uh, temporarily adopt another team while the Colts are suck- sucking mm-hmm. to actually enjoy watch instead of hate watching. Uh, anyway, I'm taking the glory away from Ryland. Uh, <laughs> I want to read his statement on thanks. He says, I want to thank all the league mates for the very fun season and the commissioner for putting it all together. Again, Hatorian, thank you. I would also like to thank Todd Gurley for his 94.6 points. In his two playoff games for pushing my subpar team to victory. There's a football player named Gurley. There is. There is. Hmm. How ironic. How yeah. ironic. Uh, 94.6, but where I, the, the bald move as a fractional point system, I, league, I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, but he commissioned uh, American Psycho, 2000 uh, film. Man, we're, it's, it's, it's 18 years old now. Yeah. Starring Christian Bale. Uh, and a whole bunch of other people. Uh, fucking Justin Theroux. Forgot how many people I know. were in this thing. I know. That I have since come to appreciate. Like, I don't think I knew who most of them were at the time. Right. 
um, but I've come to appreciate them a lot more. Uh, and he wanted us to talk about this. He's got some some comments and questions. We'll get to the end, uh, or we'll, we'll get it to the end if we don't just cover it in an organic conversation. Uh, Jim, have you seen this movie before? Yeah, yeah. So this is one of the first um, w- one of the first DVDs I remember watching because um, I had a job at Walmart at the time, and I would buy DVDs every every once in a while. Because like right. I worked in the electronics department, so I could just all day peruse the DVD aisles right. and I'd see like. Oh, this one looks kind of cool. Uh, what's the you know this Matrix thing? No, obviously I knew what the Matrix was, but uh, uh, the Matrix was one of the first DVDs, and this was one of the first DVDs, along with like The Fifth Element and stuff like that. Uh huh. So yeah, I've seen this movie before. What did you did you like it though? Uh, yeah, but I think the first time I saw it, I didn't know what I was in for, um, and so when it got to some of the stranger parts near the end, I tried to figure out a little too much about this movie Hmm. and i don't think it's so much about that yeah like the question of did he or didn't he yeah is not the central focus of this movie right which i was i was blinded by it when i first saw it this time around i'm a little more nuanced a little more experienced in my uh movie and television habits so i've seen this movie before and I remember admiring some of its big ideas, but thought it was like, you know, the pacing and editing was kind of poor. So I started watching this movie, and I quickly realized, oh, shit, this is one of the many movies that I saw on basic cable. Much like Pulp oh, Fiction, fuck. the fact that I could walk away. Uh, from... I want to talk about this for a minute, because it's been a while. It's been a... I've had a lot of personal development since I've last thought about this issue. The idea that you would butcher a film to put it on basic cable or even worse, broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the fact that my first exposure to Pulp Fiction was the version that they show on air, like, like on, on broad, like on Fox at, at 10 o'clock on a Friday night or whatever. It's a travesty. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't understand why artists allow it. Like, it'd be like if you went to see uh, Michelangelo's <laughs> David in the Louvre or wherever they have it, and it has like a fucking woolly sock over his dick. Yeah. And pasties on his nipples, mm-hmm. and like a big a giant, like like someone has tried to paint a a, fun, a fucking uh, boxer briefs on him. Like, if you want to see the art, see the art. Mm-hmm. Who? What is the market for people to want to see something like American Psycho with no blood and sex and nudity or cursing in it? Mm-hmm. Who wants to see that movie? But none <laughs> of the things that actually make it interesting or artistic. And apparently, right. uh, teenage Jehovah's Witness boys. That's sure. the old like like thank that I thank God uh, that I I could make cultural references at all because of this cottage industry. But I don't mm-hmm. know it's worth it for people like me. I'm like yeah, all the value of this movie is lost if you remove those more graphic things. Right. I mean, again, I, I, that's the thing. It's like a lot of these movies I still appreciate. Like wow, it's like you know the dialogue and like the. Like there's certain certain like big picture ideas that are kind of mind blowing that survive, but mm-hmm. all the artistry is lost. It's really really sad, and I was getting angry as I was watching it. Like I cannot. I mean, Jesus Christ, it wasn't poorly edited. They just had to rip forty five <laughs> seconds of murder sex out of here. No wonder this yeah. barely made sense. So that was my first experience. So I feel like this is the first time I actually watched the film, mm-hmm. and then now I see why it's kind of highly regarded. But I also in my reading found out that it's also incredibly polarizing like it, it, it seems yeah. to inspire very polarizing reactions for people absolutely and especially the book um when, when oh, the book first man, came I really out want to read the book 
Yeah, yeah. I hear it's it's even more graphic in its depiction of violence mm-hmm. and pornography and stuff like that. Um, I haven't read the book, but uh, based on the movie, I would say, yeah, it's pretty intense. Um, and it, it came out, what, like 25 years ago or something? Right. Um, quite a few years before this movie did. And I, I think it was like contemporary with, you know, like late 80s um, setting of this movie, right? Yeah. Because um, it was meant to be you know about the culture at that time right um as 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 it relates to you know the the masks we wear and the insensitivity and all that stuff uh but yeah i that's that's shocking to me i think you maybe give the artist too much to uh, you ascribe too much power to the artist i guess in saying why do the artists allow sure. that the, they don't have any fucking control right. it's not the artist putting it on cbs it's no, yeah, the no. fucking publishing company i'm surprised right? there's not more like uh, the, like like I I legit feel there should be like Sarah McLaughlin style puppy ads where mm-hmm. all like Quentin Tarantino and Mary Heron, the director of this film, right. like say you know show show like people butch like 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 films getting slashed and corporations <laughs> rolling around naked and money and 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 ignorant people being spoon fed sanitized bleached art and like like you know like 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 kind of like. They do the the piracy, the ludicrous anti piracy ads for Hollywood that they, it was all the rage like ten years ago. Like, why can't they do that mm-hmm. for made for television or or, or or edited for television content? Yeah, that would be pretty funny. I could also, if I were Quentin Tarantino, I would go out and I would find every syndicated, like or not syndicated, but every airing. Right. on basic cable of Pulp Fiction. Right. And I would play the scenes that the audience missed in the commercial. I would buy <laughs> ad time, and I would put the scenes back in. Right, because I remember, like, Pulp Fiction especially, <laughs> the entire final sequence with Bruce Willis and uh, Marcellus Wallace uh-huh. is utterly co- incomprehensible. I, I bet. defy yeah. anyone to tell a coherent narrative <laughs> of what happens from the day that Zed shows up, or the moment that Zed shows up till mm-hmm. Marcellus has got a shotgun in his hands. Like, there's nothing, nothing you can, you can, you can speculate about the 30 seconds of remaining surviving <laughs> footage of that, like, 10-minute sequence. It's insane. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I also want to talk about the director, Mary Heron, which I've not actually realized so i looked at her filmography and she's most famous for i shot andy warhol which i've not seen me either um but it's i have seen uh american horror story this season and um it tells a story about valerie solanus this radical feminist that literally shot andy warhol and the notorious betty page which you've heard of i mean you might not have seen this um Mm -hmm. uh but it, it stars Gretchen Mull as the the uh, eponymous uh, Betty Page, who is like this fifty style pin up but beat like like BDSM smut model. Hmm. It's a great movie. I just happened to see it uh, two two three months ago. But it's interesting because she's she's got this like really skewed like all of these things deal with sexuality and, and violence in some ways. And I think that's kind of interesting. And I want to go see some of her. Like, there's this Moth Diaries also that uh, I want to. That, that seems kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's also the. But I was the, shocked when I saw a woman directed this. I thought this and would be, co-writer of the screenplay. Right. Like, yeah. She's right. she's deeply involved in this the creation of this movie. And which also had me spin because I just found out this stuff this morning, and I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been spinning in my head the whole time, like. <laughs> 
well, what does that mean? And, like, I was prepared to dismiss the, like, whether this is fantasy or reality as, like, a plot device, but I feel like it's crucial. I I, want to say that what the film is saying about Patrick Bateman's insanity or lack thereof or whether it's real or fantasy or what is crucial to understanding what Mary wanted to say in the movie, and I I haven't been able to piece that together yet. So the the interview that I read with her, and... (laughs) It's hilarious when I'm reading these articles, but I'll talk about that in a second. I also read a really funny in- article um, with the uh, author of the book. Um, yeah, Brett e- Ellis. There you go, yeah. Brett Easton Ellis. Um, yeah, so th- the interview that I heard with her is that she actually doesn't like the ending. She feels like she didn't nail the tone mm. because she left it too open-ended. Yeah. She wanted you to kind of not be questioning so much whether he did or didn't kill all these people, and right. she left it almost too ambiguous for her tastes. What did she intend? Because, like, can I can her, I, can her I predict, make a prediction? Yeah, sure. I predict that you're supposed to understand that his powerful Wall Street and lawyer friends just effortlessly stepped in and covered up his many crimes because they're all psychopaths too. Huh? That's fuck. not what she intended. Fuck. 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 Okay. What did <laughs> no, she intend? She, she intended for you to think that he has killed some people at least. Not that he has not killed anyone. But that he has killed at least some people, and whether or not he killed Paul Allen was supposed to be kind of a a yes or no sort of thing. Huh. But not everyone. Because okay. thinking back through this movie, I was crazy. trying to it gets, like, it gets like and I know pinpoint like, like who could he absolutely not have been fantasizing about killing. Right. And I don't think there's anybody. The closest it comes is like uh <laughs> Freddie's ribs in the in the alley, right? Mm-hmm. Like Freddie when he gets yeah. stabbed right in his ribs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe that's Come the on, one Patrick, that he could not, have you're not, killed. You're not slow bleeding me, Patrick. <laughs> right. you're, you're quick bleeding me. These ribs ain't gonna be no good. <laughs> uh, but that's the one he could he could have killed. I don't think any of the others he could actually have killed and gotten away with it as cleanly as he did. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Especially since like when he even kills. Um, What's, what'd you say is uh, Jared Leto? Yeah, Paul Allen. He's dragging this bag, and it very clearly from the uh, perspective of Patrick Bateman's leaving this massive blood trail. Right. But when they switch camera angles, yep. uh, that blood trail is gone. And obviously when he's loading the stuff into a trunk, like if it was soaking blood, I think that as as fucked up and out of touch as the one dude is, he would have noticed that. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I feel like there was early indications of it all being in his head. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't know if I, like, what what the hell is the movie trying to say? Um, In my mind, it's about, like, the sort of, um, like, man, it's tough to, to articulate. Uh, it's obviously about a very insane person wanting to fit in and that feeding into his insanity and his bloodlust mm-hmm. and his his anger and rage. Um but I think it's about like the the creation of a culture and a society that allows that to happen yeah. or that even glorifies it because you look at him from the exterior and you say this is a very well put together person. This right. this person is the epitome of modern american ideals right he's rich he's very good looking he's in great shape yeah um he's got it all he's he's very well put together but on the inside he is this seething raging uh i I mean and in other ways like completely dead yeah like his insides are all fucked up 
And I think that's what the movie's about. How like the 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 perception of of these people has become more than what they are and in a lot of ways the toxicity of who they actually are yeah. is being glorified because of their lifestyle. Yeah, like the realization that I had seen the fucking bleached bullshit version of this film allowed me kind of put watch it with fresh eyes. So I kind of like, mm. you know, yeah. um I guess liberated myself from a lot of the pre because so I started like okay I'm gonna I'm gonna clean slate this because I don't know how crazy things are gonna get I want to see like how effectively I can like identify with Patrick Bateman like where does it like fucking break off and, and <laughs> almost go wrong. immediately yeah because yeah. like because he's talking about this like you know so this he's 27 years old and he's got the self care regiment yeah. And I'm thinking, like, okay, I remember when I was, like, overcoming, like, a really rough patch in my, pl- my life and being depressed that, like, self-care, the rituals of self-care, like, like not seeing a shower is something you've got to fucking resent because it means you're getting up and you're having to live your life. But, like, this is cleansing my body and I'm caring for my body because I deserve to be taken care of. And, like, if I don't do – like, you know, the, the whole thing and as – but – and I'm like, and also like, this is the, if 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 I'm an atheist and Patrick Bateman probably is an atheist too, like this is the one body you get. Like, mm-hmm. it's completely illogical the way I treat my body. Like, I love life. I want to live as long as I can and be as healthy as I can. But because I enjoy my life, I also eat too much and yeah. I do things that don't take care of my body. So I'm probably <laughs> going to be a wreck in my late 60s and 70s. Like, so maybe he's got. And then. Like, almost immediately, I'm like, as he continues to monologue of, like, yeah. all this stuff, and the fact that he's only 27, and he's this concerned about his aging and stuff, it's like, it mm-hmm. it goes completely fucko <laughs> really, 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 really pretty quickly. Like, yeah. like within the first 15 minutes, I could know, I, I lost my ability to try to identify with this guy. Yeah, um, a, a lot of the, like, scholarly articles on the, the novel that I was reading mm-hmm. were interesting, because they talk about how you are... The, the POV is Patrick Bateman's, right? Um, so you are forced to kind of live in his skin. Right. Uh, which is a very uncomfortable thing. And I think um, part of the backlash to the book is probably that, like mm-hmm. that visceral feeling of, I don't want to be doing, I don't want to be committing these crimes. I don't want to be thinking this way. And the book kind of pushes you into that. Yeah. Which is part of its brilliance, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I do think I this... feel very uncomfortable throughout this movie. I do think this film is brilliant because, but I don't know how brilliant because uh-huh. I also don't understand some of the madness because this is about a psychopath, a sociopath, um, mm-hmm. someone that doesn't feel human emotions for other people. And it's, it's interesting because like, uh, there's been a couple of threads on Reddit about so, 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 sociopathy, and mm-hmm. there's always like self-identified socio- sociopaths that step forward anonymously and tell you like what it's really like. Hmm. And sometimes it's like it's not necessarily. It, it seems like an affliction more than like a ticking time bomb. Like you know, it's like it. it they're not. Ma- they're not necessarily master manipulators. Although sometimes they can be, but it's more like they're just always confused about why things are happening and why people aren't honest about the thing. Like they, they just don't get some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But so like when this movie makes a bunch of assertions about the fact that he doesn't feel any emotion, but he clearly does like towards the end of the movie, like some he, he them, can, yeah. he can feel emotion and maybe that's the thing that he can feel emotion for himself, but he can't identify that other people have thoughts and desires, but also the film, the, the friends that he's surrounded himself mm-hmm are just as unconscious and unthinking as he is. Oh, nearly, yeah. Like, Reese so... Witherspoon, his fiance, <laughs> right. is a fucking piece of work. The woman yeah. he's fucking on the side is blasted out of her mind on barbiturates constantly. Mm-hmm. Justin Thoreau 
seems like he's a guy who actually has a conscience and, and, and is bothered by things, but fuck it, you know? I also like to do blow and have a bunch of money, so... Sure. Like, it's like, if you're a psychopath in that world you might be forgiven for thinking that everyone around you is also a psychopath. So what, yeah, what empathy is stupid? The, the concept of empathy is dumb. Yeah, and I think maybe the one place in this movie where it separates Christian Bale's character, Patrick Bateman, from the others, from mm-hmm. his friends, is there's one scene where they're talking about, um, you know, a, a woman with a good personality, right? Uh, yeah, um, And they're all sitting around talking about, like, making jokes about uh-huh. it. And then Christian Bale chimes in and talks about how, like, he he just wants to see them killed and and murdered or whatever. Quotes Ed Gein about right about the serial killer. I want yeah. to hold her hand and be sweet, but I also wonder what her head looks like on a pike. Right, and then everybody kind of looks at him and goes, "Whoa, dude." What's well, funny because there's a couple places on like Reddit that are let's say hostile to women. And it's always a, it's always entertaining for me to see the the comments in those threads that get downvoted. Like the like like you're you're a spat. Like to say that women can't have good personalities <laughs> is a monstrous thing to say. You're taking half yeah. of the human race and essentially dehumanizing them. Sure, it's fucking stupid. But yeah. then the guy who quotes Ed Gein, everyone's like, "Whoa, that's fucked up." It's like right. it's it's got this like there are some things that are horrific, but yet you can say in polite company, and mm-hmm. that changes. Like you know. In, you know, polite socialite Manhattan in the 1920s, it was fashionable to be a fucking racist and right. essentially espout what would later become Nazi scientific theories as the way to justify that. And nowadays it's not, but there's a lot more coded and insidious ways to be a fucking racist asshole now. Sure. And same thing is like, you know, like uh, how many of Patrick Bate- Bateman's friends would describe him as misogynist? Probably none of them yeah and yet he totally is he's the worst <laughs> yeah the worst kind but it's like yeah yeah i'm I, sure a guy's gonna like dehumanize half the human race is a monster a guy who puts their heads on pikes are slightly more of a monster but like yeah i'm trying to figure out if that's what the author is trying to say right like, look these people are all monstrous they're not all psychotic killers are you familiar with the Poe's law that's been like you know seems like it's kind of spat. Uh, it's an internet kind of rule that's that's come up in the last ten years or so. Maybe, but I don't. So I it's don't know it's if I this name. it's it's the statement of the harder it like as satire uh, increases, yes. that it's impossible to distinguish a true mm-hmm. believer from someone who's taking the piss. Right, and I felt like that was kind of played with in this film because when there's this this scene early on where they're at dinner and they're talking about like society's ills and patrick bateman goes on uh like essentially a stirring kind of liberal speech about how Mm -hmm. people and they have wealth hunger how you have the obligation to do stuff with your money and he's just going on and on and it's like there's a point where you're not quite sure I mean, I mean, I think I'm sure because of the POV of the film, but like the people around them aren't quite sure if he's joking or not, and Justin Thoreau just ends up laughing. And I feel like that's the th- same thing with the uh, you know women can't have good personalities unless they're fat and ugly because they have nothing else to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus seeing like that was another playing of like where that line is, and you know because like why didn't Justin Thoreau laugh at that? That's is equally ri- like I guess ridiculous. Right. As a as a being a Wall Street guy, espousing giving back to the poor and taking care of humanity. Yeah, no, I mean everything that Christian Bale is doing in this movie is to fit in. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's he says it. Yeah. You know? Um down to even like his reviews of music. I I absolutely love those scenes yes. because 
it's not because of the violence. Like I, I can, I can take her or leave the violence, uh-huh. but like the juxtaposition of the violence with his description of these albums that comes, it's not a human description of an album. No. It is, it is something he read in a newspaper right. or something he read in a review magazine a year ago when the album came out. And now he's just reciting it. He doesn't feel any of it. Um, and, and you can see him, you can, in the movie, you can see him like listening to music all throughout the movie, and that might tempt you into thinking that he has some kind of passion, mm-hmm. you know, or or uh, something inside of him that isn't just completely sterile and bland mm-hmm. and dead. Um, but I view that as rehearsal. Yeah, like, it's, he, it's all part he of is his simply mask. like I need to right. Like he takes care of his skin, he takes care of his his ears here, right, uh-huh. and his ability to converse about music, right, in in polite company and. Right. It's it's so amazing, like the the juxtaposition of that violence with that very sterile description of the, the Especially music. Especially the the like Huey Lewis in the news yeah. and Phil fucking Collins and there was uh, uh who's Whitney the guy? Houston. There's Whitney Houston, but there's also uh, the Simply Irresistible. That's uh, Robert Palmer. Uh, maybe I don't remember. It's like this is like the most inoffensive pop, right? That you can possibly imagine, mm-hmm. and the fact that it's set to this carnage, I think the other thing that um, I want to talk about this movie is how very rarely have I seen something this black and disturbing that's also fucking hilarious <laughs> in places. <laughs> right. It's very yeah. hard to strike that tone, and I that's the one thing I saw the book author mention, because he's got a lot of mixed feelings about it. Mm-hmm. Like he's got a lot of problems with the end, which I can see, because I think the end is very messy, um, but I think this film kind of deserves a messy end. Um, and 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 it kind of works well for it. But he's like, a lot of people reading the book and a lot of contemporaries reviews saw the over the top violence as just repulsive misogyny and yeah. like glorification. When I meant for it to be clear satire. And he goes, the mm-hmm. one thing I'm glad of is that people watch this film is like you can't deny. Like you might be repulsed by the violence all that, but but. There is a lot of like really funny shit, like the way they filmed the showdowns over business cards. Right, hysterical. The yeah. the juxtaposition of him like casually ordering these women to eat their ass and and mm-hmm. in preparation to carve them up, while he's talking about Susu Studio, is fu- is 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 funny. Like I mean, if, yeah. if if being if if what is if the science of humor. Is it's like you know like like there's a lot of I don't even read any of these like evolutionary theories of laughter mm-hmm. that like you know as these tri like these 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 tribes of apes that we are like we're out in the Serengeti we're up in our trees and like one of us thinks we see a lion and like we're all starting to get ah 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 and then like turns out it's just a fucking pig comes out of the bush. Mm-hmm. Um, laughing as a way to like dis the, like dismiss this cortisol spike in our body and the adrenaline. It's like the 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 the, the it's the divergence between the expectation and the result. Mm-hmm. And that's why like things like laughing at a funeral, like if you can find something funny, it like it's almost irresistible yeah. because yeah, it's that juxtaposition. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's how this movie works. Like we know none of this shit is funny. Yeah, but that makes it even more funnier. Right, the the sort of inappropriateness of it all. Yeah, <laughs> like none of these things should go together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how like there's nothing. The fear like... and the pig should not go together. Right, right. No, no. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um. So we laugh because we're like, oh, it's okay, but it's not. But that's the other thing that the film also comes back around, and it never lets you fully slip into that because 
then it ends the scene with gore. Just just really murder. shocking violence yeah. and insanity. Yeah. So then you're like, but then then that, I think that just primes you for the next big laugh because you're like, oh, fuck, you know, I've been burnt laughing at this shit before. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know. Uh, this is the other thing that this movie does really, really well to me is the aesthetic. I think, um, yeah. and I don't know how much of this is in the book and described in the book, but that all white apartment, essentially that all black and white apartment that Christian Bale has, um, to me is like the perfect reflection of his character mm-hmm. because it is so sterile. It's just so bland, right? It doesn't. The, you don't feel anything when you walk into that apartment, right? You feel cold and, mm-hmm. it and doesn't look, alone. And I wrote in my notes that it doesn't look like someone lives there. Yeah, like it's not a home. It's you know, there's and it's pretty like he maintains his perfection, like with the obsession with coasters and yeah, you know, it's like it's 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 like an operating room. Uh huh. Um, and and, then, and I don't think I would I would feel the same about Patrick Bateman if he had an apartment like Paul Allen's. You know, like Paul Allen looks like his apartment is a place where he lives. But it's interesting because does that mean Paul Allen's just a better psychopath or not as much of a psychopath? <laughs> it's hard to say because they're, they're all every bit of their persona is completely fake. That's true. And yeah. ex- and, and focus on externalities. And like, mm-hmm. is, doesn't B- Bateman say something like the inside doesn't matter or nothing? Like at some point, like that's like yeah, that's how like he that. views Paul Allen. Like, yeah, maybe he's slightly more successful. Maybe his tastes of a business cards are slightly better, but he's just as hollow and empty on the inside. So he's no better than me. I don't. know. That's one of the kind of takeaways. I or have. he is better because I feel like Patrick Bateman is obsessed with his, the perception of him mm. uh, as it relates to other people. So right. like Paul Allen having a slightly better business card or a slightly more expensive apartment. Um, really eats away at him is one of the things we're supposed to because understand his that, his mask is all he has yeah because one thing we we see from uh chloe savini's character is that or was it or that no, made reese witherspoon yes yeah, Re- she mentions that he's got a job at his father's business right are we supposed to understand right. that like jared leto's character uh perhaps is a self-made man so not only is he slightly hmm. more successful but he got on his own what sticks that's what really sticks in his craw could be yeah. Just the way that, like, I, I don't know this actor's name. He's, he's a character actor. He plays the, turns out, I guess, be, at least bisexual guy who mistakes. Yeah, Gavin from Silicon Valley. Yeah, he, <laughs> yes, that's where he said. He mistakes yeah. his attempt to murder him as seduction. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, the <laughs> reason Patrick um, hates him is because he is so obviously doesn't belong in his group, but he is, for some reason, getting away with it. Hmm. Yeah. Like, he's clearly outside. It doesn't belong in these big league kind of things. You know, not an interesting person, yet he is accepted in the world. And why Why is that? Like, why? Mm-hmm. I, that? That's, man, I feel like I could watch this film a bunch more times and just do studies of individual interactions he has with characters to try. Because the other thing is. Yeah, well, there's something interesting about that that character too in that right. he is also wearing a mask right like it's not yeah. it's not hiding the same thing like patrick bateman's mask is hiding a psychopathic killer uh the gavin belson's <laughs> i don't i don't know his character name mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but he's hiding the closeted homosexuality yeah. so like they're they're one in the same just hiding very different things and it feels like the two people that walked away from Pat- patrick bateman alive the chloe savinia's character who just operated with complete naked honesty and reality. Uh-huh. Um, and 
the 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 the, the, the shit. What does he just call him? Like, Gavin. Uh, Gavin yeah. Belt. Yeah. Uh, his character, who same way, like, or he realized that he was wearing a different mask. It's 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 interesting. That the, there's something there's something interesting being said about who he spared. Yeah, what they're saying, they're I'm like not they're complete sure. uh, extremes. Like like one, yeah. he's like you know he's got no evil in his heart, but he's hiding a deep secret that he's probably ashamed of and and having a hard time, and like he can't kill that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other woman who's just so open and honest and a lamb to the slaughter. Like, he can't find any justification, any cynical thing to be like, well, this is why she deserves to die. So, uh, you know, and even then, that was kind of like a roll of the dice. If that phone yeah. call hadn't happened and Reese Witherspoon hadn't blown his spot up, yeah, she might have gotten drilled in the head. So Probably, is my guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that guy's name is Matt Ross, and his character name is Lewis. There you go. I had to look it up. It was poor, bothering poor, me to call Lewis. him poor Gavin Belson. The compliment is sufficient, Lewis. Uh, <laughs> uh, the other thing that he said about there being no real me. Uh-huh. That's interesting. An interesting statement, too. Because, yeah. like, it's something that you hear, like, a teenager espouse. You know, like, they haven't fully for, But here's a 27-year-old man who should be on a solid trajectory, and he's, like... Like he's he's like the invisible man. Like yeah, he's got bandages and a hat and a trench coat and rubber galoshes, so you can see him. But there's nothing. If he takes all that off, he's there's there's nothing there. Right. Like, does he like Phil Collins? No. Does he like Whitney Houston? No. Does he like his clothes? No. They're just all. Like, it's it's almost like he's got like a, like like a demon inside of him, and that's the thing he's serving, and he doesn't understand it or. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. No, as as he's like, a he's a puppet to his own self-image, you know, or, yeah. or not even self-image, a puppet to his own externality. But that's the thing. Like, is that a fucking enabling excuse that he tells himself, or does he really like? That's the thing. Like, how much sympathy should you have for sociopaths and psychopaths? I guess. Sure, that's a fair question. It's I, kind of I like think he actually any, believes it, or anyone but. that has some kind of sick compulsion as a as a as a as a need that they can't suppress. Yeah, uh, and this is where I like. I look at things and I try and set, I, I'm like, where does the author end and the character begin, right? Because, yeah. like, I don't know that a character like Patrick Bateman would, would ever look inside him and say there's nothing there. Hmm. I, I, I feel too like self-aware. He, right, it feels too self-aware. It feels like that is the author talking through Patrick Bateman's mouth, hmm. telling the audience there is nothing inside this character. Right. Whereas I don't think, I don't think Patrick Bateman is that self uh you know, um, just insightful. Yeah, like he'd have to have a year of therapy before he'd have that break, yeah. quote unquote breakthrough. You know, yeah, it feels like a weird thing for that character to do. Hmm. But the the book and the movie are trying to make a point. I mean, honestly, all those monologues seem like they were way too self aware for what my like understanding of what a sociopath or psychopath would, especially one that like is born rich. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the psychopaths, the self again, self-professed psychopaths or sociopaths on Reddit, which probably means they're not even real psychopaths, right? But it's like, <laughs> right? You know, um, like like I, the ones I've read like came from kind of normal circumstances. So they were forced to like understand that, like, oh, like these people, like through empirical stuff, is essentially experimentation. Like, oh, these people have their own thoughts and feelings, and they need to be. I don't understand it, but I need to do these things to get the things that I want. Whereas mm-hmm. if you're like uh, sufficiently rich. You can glide through life without ever having to run up against a person that you need to convince or influence or, you know, sure. and like, it's like, it just, I, but I don't know. Like I, that's the thing. Like I, 
I don't know how serious to take the film psychology. I want to take it super sure. serious, but um, I want to take it as like, you know, but it could just be the author's meditation on what he thinks is wrong with America. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's primarily what it is, which yeah. I'm not totally like the, the, the I, fact I'm, that, I'm kind of in agreement with him in it, a lot of ways. Yeah, the fact that this type of society can if it doesn't produce psychopaths it essentially produces people who are virtually indistinguishable from psychopaths yeah because that's the thing like i I, the other thing is like when i first watched this movie on basic cable or whatever in my mid-20s i had not traveled in a life that had led me into contact with justin or jason bateman's Mm -hmm. wait patrick bateman's (laughs) yeah patrick bateman's (laughs) or maybe even jason bateman's at that time who is clearly a psychopath yeah yes um <laughs> since then i've i've met like there's people that like are this fucking fake and mm, not yeah. shy about it now i'm not saying they're psychopaths but they're not what i would i have when i meet these people i have trouble like no, number one it's like do you think i'm so stupid to think that i don't understand that you are faking an interest in me to manipulate me right right secondly what is the real you? Like, when you go home and you take off the suit and you're not trying to sell me on something, like, what, 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 how do you roll? What television shows do you watch? Did you read comic yeah. books as a kid? Like, 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 there's nothing about them that feels authentic and, like, that you could get to know, like, in a best friend kind. Like, if I had a beer with this guy, <laughs> what would it be like? I don't know. Yeah. But they're, they definitely walk among us. Sure. And they definitely cluster in certain types of society in certain positions. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's kind of, it's almost like a, you know his his thesis here is that Wall Street is like a fencing operation for these yeah. for for these people who who traffic in uh, image right. rather than actual humanity right. Um, it, it's a way for them to it's a place for them to thrive right. Uh, and the system is set up to allow that. And I it, yeah, it's there's something also here because like if you look at um, I guess Patrick Bateman's psychosis, mm-hmm. it it all to me in my mind boils down to a need for power and control mm-hmm. over other people right um which like at that point you can kind of divorce the statement of the the book from the intense gore and violence uh-huh. right like he doesn't have to be a murderer necessarily he could do other things that would demonstrate his power over other people which you see in movies like wall street you see in in a lot of other other films about these, you know, high power financial people, right? Right. Um, and so, in my mind, that's more where this is going. Like, this is a place where this kind of behavior is encouraged. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 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 gore part, the murder part, is is just kind of a very illustrative way to to convey that thought. Mm. It's it's. It's it's harsher than, or it's more extreme in like a Fight Club kind of way. It's more extreme than Gordon Gecko, you know, taking this kid for a ride. Let's talk about the extremity because it, it yeah. gets to the heart of like you know one thing we're gonna have to discuss sooner or, or rather than later is like how much because I I just feel like I I haven't gotten over the fact that I fucked up the inter- my interpretation of the end of this film. Because, like, how much of it is supposed to be real? How much of it is supposed to be fantasy? And It's tough to say because I know the book does leave it ambiguous. Uh-huh. But the the creator of this why. film didn't want to leave it as ambiguous as she did. I wonder I wonder why. Because, like, because I was thinking, like, you know, what's the difference between Leonardo DiCaprio's Wolf of Wall Street character and this guy? The fact that yeah. I, the only thing I can think of is Leonardo DiCaprio had fairly conventional, masculine 
desires. He wanted to have mm-hmm. sex with a bunch of women. He wanted to do a bunch of drugs. He wanted to have a bunch of nice things. He never like like uh, he just wasn't born with whatever it is that makes you want to set little animals on fire and murder people. Right. But everything else about how he saw yeah. like you know how he saw other people as objects or rubes to be used like like it's, it's the exact mm-hmm. same thought pattern. So it's like I do think it's important to know whether this guy is a murderer or not <laughs> my feeling to understanding on it, the film or cause else it's just a yeah. very weird version of wolf of wall street ha- having not read the book my feeling on it is he did not actually kill anybody anybody and this has all been in his head a fantasy that he's living out how would he control like how does he maintain I, I guess my question is how does he maintain the control to not kill him Kill, kill any of these people because these like people? he's so okay. insane and he's uh, he's got these urges like i, I it yeah. feels like like a remarkable sense of self-restraint or a, a very effective sense of fantasy that protects the people that he doesn't you know what i'm saying does that make sense yeah totally i'm i'm just trying to like go by the context clues in the movie and to me everything to do with paul allen and the prostitutes and the model like all of those things are not real because like, of the apartment stuff that happens. Also, Willem Dafoe, right? Does he exist? Yeah. Because I, I think Willem Dafoe exists, but yeah. he got the alibi completely wrong. Or is that supposed to be a sly payoff to the fact that no one knows who Justin Bateman is? They're always confusing him for right other people. But, yeah, there's some there's something really weird. I don't even know that Patrick Bateman exists. Patrick Bateman might be uh, an alter ego, some kind of personality that he's come up with in his head. Right. Like some form of schizophrenia or something. he's so crazy that he thinks people are sliding them when he they're actually using the... Right. Like he's like... Because this, this, this feels very similar in, in DNA to like the talented Mr. Ripley. Uh-huh. And that's the same kind of thing where like eventually... Uh, Eventually, the Matt Damon character to Mr. Ripley, he has told so many lies to so many different people that he can't... He can no longer keep the things straight, and he has to start killing people to preserve his, I don't know, whatever. Right. No, I, it's very I'm, crocodile from Black Mirror, too. I'm trying to go back to the first time I saw this and, and think, my feeling was I'm very fucking confused by Paul Allen's apartment. Mm-hmm. Because as it's, as it's portrayed at first, um, you know, he does a lot of killings in that apartment, and mm-hmm. he chases the girl completely nude down the hallway with a chainsaw, drops mm-hmm. it on her in the stairwell. Um, all things, by by my uh, feeling, should have got him caught. And then when he comes back to the apartment, it's completely empty. And the realtor who's there doesn't even acknowledge that a Paul Allen exists. So... How how do you reconcile that with any kind of idea that he has actually killed any of those people? I I can't. So yeah. in my mind, it has to be all of that was in his head. Yeah. I wish I yeah. And then you combine it with kind that of the drawings right. that Chloe Savini finds. Yeah. Um, in his notepad or his his schedule or whatever. Right. And, and you can see like all of the the things he he was purported to have done on mm-hmm. film, uh, drawn out in this sketchbook, and I think that's you know that's him living it out that's him making his fantasies so vivid that he's writing them out and i I just don't think he kills any of those people the only person i could see that he would have actually killed was freddie the the bum in the alley where he where he mashes his cat like yeah 
just or stomps it, his, his puppy, right? His puppy, yeah, yeah. his puppy. And he's going to murder that cat. He's going to shove until... the cat in the ATM. And also, isn't so he <laughs> kills he up, kills man. it. He kills. There's other hint. I think maybe, but I I wasn't able to watch it. Too. I wanted to rewind. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I just you know, like I I gotta. I got. I got to kind of like you take this in the spirit of the project, but like he walks into a building, which I think is the building he works in, uh-huh. and someone calls him Mister Smith, uh-huh. and he shoots, he shoots him, him the and then he runs out, and then he runs around the block, but he runs into the same in building, the doesn't exact he? same building? Yeah. Okay, so there. That's like I wasn't sure yeah. that the joke was that there's so many different. Right, identical firms, and this is yet another of the movie taking a piss at like no one. He, he's his mask is so effective that he's the, just the mistaken for a bunch identity. of different people. Yeah, yeah, like of all those people, sure. Because when they showed that's the thing about all these people is when they first established that joke that uh, Jared Leto had mistaken him for someone else. Uh-huh. He points out how they all go to the same tailor, they all have the same hairstyles, they all wear the same fucking tortoiseshell <laughs> glasses kind of thing. Yep. and I'm like, well, maybe. Yeah, but yeah, your huh. theory about it being aliases feels compelling to me. And then I, I just can't imagine he doesn't get caught for the crimes that he commits on his rampage when he right. he you know screams the confession onto the answering machine, and then he goes in the next day to that restaurant, to that lounge or whatever, and right. he talks with his lawyer who says, uh, "I I had lunch with Paul Allen in London ten days ago." Right. Um, when I, he was supposedly murdered by you. So See, I took that with especially the way he had that dead-eyed look. And 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 and, and also with the real the real estate was the real estate agent a fantasy too? Because to me I took that as a really good lawyer like he sent Mr. Wolf there. <laughs> oh boy. Uh maybe. And, and maybe. And then when he tried to talk he's like, "Look, you're fucking this up. I've taken care of everything. I've even got your back for alibis. Now go oh, fucking shit. Yeah, we all murder some prostitutes and Wall Street fuckers. Who care? Like that's the thing. Like I so fundamentally misunderstood the end in that film. Hmm. Or maybe I didn't because, you know. Yeah. That's, that's the other possible. thing is the guy I, I read another interview with the the guy who wrote the book where he says, "I'm so deep into this thing." of Patrick Bateman being an unreliable narrator that I don't even know what is fact and what is fiction. Huh. Which yeah. I think that's is that that's is that I'm am I watching a, a writer just masturbate in right. front of a, a reporter <laughs> like oh god yes I'm oh fuck I sound so smart. Oh I'm yeah. Such a good fucking writer. Yeah. And you know like it's like I don't know. I have I did read an interview with him where he said he he never decided whether or not uh, Patrick Bateman has killed anybody. See, speaking of psychopaths, <laughs> I can't imagine being that into like like being the creator of something and just like yeah. your mind naturally wanders. I wonder what I think of this situation. Nope, nope. I've got to maintain my art. Maybe that's why I'm not an artist. Yeah, um, because I just can't believe people that say, "Oh, fuck no!" I wrote this thing and I shipped it off to the editor and I haven't thought about it since. Like, I can see saying I won't say because I think that compromises the experience as a viewer and the impact that this art has on you. But to just be like, oh, my, I haven't given it a second thought. <laughs> Fuck you. Or or I've given it a lot of thought and I haven't come down on a side yet. Like, I, I can't imagine as the creator of something that I wouldn't have a definitive right. answer to a question in my head. Right. That I have at least thought about. And even if I'm not willing to divulge it to you, like you said, I'm just not willing to say it. Or you might be two minds I, of it. Like I, I can tell imagine. here's the arguments for and here's the arguments against and I I in my creative process I thought about setting up those horns of a dilemma and that's why 
You know, that's that's the fucking engine that makes the thing go, man. Uh, but if you're encouraging, if if the point of the novel is to encourage the the questioning of that, mm-hmm. I would think you as an author would have to at some point have come up with an answer in your own head for yeah. you because that's what you're encouraging the audience to do. Right. So to not do that feels like you're not engaging enough with your own material. <laughs> Uh, the other thing I want to talk about, there's probably lots more, but I want to talk about um, Chloe Savini, uh, uh-huh. who has been in the news lately for being one of the very early whistleblowers on the, like, the whole Harvey Weinstein kind of rape culture going in Hollywood, and hmm. as a result, got effectively blackballed and got the prime of her career stolen, stolen from her. Hmm. Uh, I've never really thought one way or another about Chloe Savini, because I haven't seen a lot of the stuff... Um, and the stuff that I did see her in, like I, I remember very clearly see when I uh, saw being a Jehovah's Witness, and I'm like, I want to see some of this art house shit I've been missing. And I, I uh, and one of the things that was, uh, had had been in my mind that I heard a lot about was Brown Bunny, and I watched that, and it was such an incomprehensible, f- like everything that I've my all my prejudices about art films were about. Uh-huh. And she was kind of in that. And I'm like, huh, okay. But I thought she was like really amazing in this film. Yeah, she's good. Like, she's like definitely this, good. The, the like, there's she does a lot of really awesome work, especially in that scene of her in apartment. And I was so scared for her. Uh, I realized like how like effective that she'd set up this character, and I'm like really chagrined that that. Ha- I guess I'm just saying that like it's a damn shame that fuckers like Harvey Weinstein tried to ruin this woman's career mm-hmm. because she's really she's really good at it. Yeah, uh, no, that, that is absolutely a shame. And you think like how many other how many other talents have we turned away because of this this uh, to- tolerating of this bullshit? Yeah. <sighs> All right, that's depressing. Um, <laughs> and still ongoing. Can, can we talk about one of the other um, actors in this film? Yes. Who do you want to talk about? Christian Bale. Okay. So I'm. I have a weird, complicated relationship with Christian Bale. Okay. Because I think he is a very good actor. Um, and I've seen him in quite a few things where I've gone, yeah, good performance, Christian Bale. But I always tend to think of Christian Bale performance as a Christian Bale performance, not as, like, he kind of transformed into this character in the way that, like, I don't know, some some other really good character actors can. Mm-hmm. And... And I was I was looking back through his his uh, filmography here, and he's got a lot of stuff where I would say, yeah, he's just kind of being Christian Bale in that movie. But then there were a few standouts um, in my mind. One of which was the Fighter, where he played this um, the brother to like a really broken down. Uh, it was either alcohol or drug addicted uh, brother to a boxer. Yeah, who was kind of just a big drain on him. The just whole time. a washed up, holding him back, but all but right. yet the time talking about how vital he was, kind of yeah. Yeah, I remember that. And role. that's one where I feel like he really transformed, not not physically, but like as a character. I think you're on to something because I've. It's funny. Um, I've seen a lot of Christian Bale from like Empire of the Sun, yeah. where he played a 14 year old, but clearly recognizable. Christian Bale doing Christian Bale things like and he's very virtuous and noble and heroic in like newsies and he plays of I course seen that. Batman and 
He's the machinist, which he's just a really fucking skinny Christian Bale. And then he plays <laughs> the the fat, fat washed up guy in like American Hustle. But he's still like that's just the inverse. That's the opposite of the machinist, where he's just really fat and out of shape. Christian Bale, right? Like I, I when I think of like good character actors, and I think of like uh, Gary Oldman and how transformative yeah. he is. Like it's like mm-hmm. you can't believe that the guy who plays Dracula is the same guy who plays Zorg. From Fifth Element, who is the same guy who's Commissioner Gordon, who is the same guy who is <laughs> right. uh, plays Sid. Was, didn't he play Sid and Sid and Nancy? Mm, um, I don't know. Like he's got all this. Like like he just dis- disappears into the role. Or like a uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. A Philip Seymour like, Hoffman, perfect those example. Guys, yeah. Christian Bale. He's Christian Bale, but he's a very malleable thing because he can be a noble, heroic, mm-hmm. or he can be a crazy psycho, or he can be. But they're all recognizably him, and he does yeah. most of the same techniques that, you know, I, I yeah it, I don't it, know what it is about. It's like, a remarkable him. range for such a small band of performance. Um, like Harrison Ford's very similar. Yeah, yeah. He's got his hair. He's got, like you know he's got an effective power band where he does most of his good work, but like. I don't know, but you're still watching Harrison Ford. You never more than you're watching Harrison Ford, right? Um, And that's why you cast him because he's Harrison fucking Ford. John Wayne's the same way, but yeah, I mean, this character is almost indistinguishable in in the performance from like Batman, right? And it's funny because let's talk about this. When I was reading all of the articles um, uh, about this movie, and I'm like, oh, what what were the reviews? What is the the movie about? Like all the stuff. Every time it said Bateman, I've read Batman. <laughs> I'm like, wait, Batman doesn't kill people. What are you? T- oh, oh, Bateman. Right. You know, I had an, a similar because I was watching this and it's been, you know, the Christian Bale Batmans have come out since the first time I watched the shitty yeah. made for cable version of this film. And what I was struck by how much Bruce Wayne or how much Patrick Bateman is in Bruce Wayne. Yes. Like there's this scene in the original Batman where people start saying, well, what do you think? They're at a fancy dinner party and they're like, well, what do you think about this Batman character? And Christian Bale's like, I don't know, guy running around, punching people with a mask. He seems kind of crazy. Seems like a crazy man. <laughs> He's almost identical to the Justin Bateman at this dinner party bloviating about world peace. Uh-huh. And I'm like, is that because Christian Bale is Christian Bale in all of his roles? Right. Or was he trying to say something about Bruce Wayne is the same as Christian Bale? Or, I mean, mm. I'm sorry. Bruce Wayne is the same as Patrick Bateman. He is a mask that in hides a, lot of ways. a very yeah. psychotic, damaged persona. Absolutely. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. That he would I bring mean, that awareness of a character into another character to, to, mm-hmm. build, to, to build upon it. Because no, it's all very fucking confusing, especially when it's Batman and Bateman. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I just kept getting confused. Patrick Batman. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> uh, the the other movie I really thought Christian Bale was transformative in is The Big Short. He plays like this this yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Wall Street guy, but in a very different form. Like he's the number crunching, like very conservative. Yeah. Um, all about the the profit margins and stuff like. He's really good in the big show. Right, right. You know, I mean, his problem is he's just too... Like, Gary Oldman, is. no one would say he's an unattractive man. Sure. Uh, but he has got, like, you know, he's also got a lot of, like, this is the default setting for a white man kind uh-huh. of things. Whereas Christian Bale is crazy attractive, I think, mm-hmm. um, and also uh, un- kind of unconventionally so. 
He's got a lot of weird yeah. things going with his chin and his teeth and his yeah, eyes. His, but his smile is a little weird. And for like me. very Ju- Julia Roberts, like any individual thing might be like, oh, this is too much, but it somehow <laughs> fits together on their face. Uh-huh. Um, and it reminds me of a lot of like when I see him in American Hustle, and he's you know gained fifty pounds, and he's done the Pete Campbell thing where he shaved his own head so he looks like a balding schlub. Mm-hmm. It reminds me a lot of like Anne Hathaway in the early goings of the Princess Diaries, where you're supposed to understand that Anne Hathaway is not smoking fucking hot uh-huh. because she's wearing a dumpy sweater and her hair is pulled back and she's wearing glasses and she's not she's got she's made up to look like she's not wearing makeup. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on. I feel like that's maybe his problem is that he is just so fucking charismatic and attractive as Christian Bale that, yeah, he could be skinny, fucking charismatic and attractive and weak Christian Bale, or he can be fat, out of shape, past his prep. But he's still like, you know, you can see the makeup on him. What about, you can see the makeup on him. You're, you're, you're forgetting Reign of Fire, Christian Bale. Which sure. is, is still just standard Christian Bale. Yeah, he's, that's he's, that's he's, the one speed version of Christian Bale. Yeah, no, right, right, right. That's his uh that's his post apocalyptic heroic mm-hmm. uh uh Christian Bale. Uh there's Equilibrium, which is also a great movie. Oh, Equilibrium um, is a great he would, movie. He's a star of that. What's interesting about that is I'd have to see that cuz it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Yeah. But he plays kind of like a diluted rube throughout the most of it which is not something that i usually associate in his christian like he's almost a he's almost like a childlike like leon the professional type character shit i don't remember taking advantage of like like usually i i associate his roles like some kind of intelligence and cunning whereas in this he's completely guileless and Mm -hmm. uh a, a true believer and you know deluded fool yeah like I said, he's got a lot of range. It's just all Christian Bale range. So maybe that's even <laughs> yeah. more impressive than Gary Oldman, you know, th- 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 making out with Keanu Reeves and saying, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> uh, 310 to Yuma. We watched that. 310 to Yuma, fucking he, he great. Was, he was great in that. He's, he's He is uh, out on the Old West trying to get a criminal on a train, heroic and noble Patrick, ba- uh, uh, Patrick Bateman. Patrick yeah. Bateman, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, what's so, so funny is like, I was so, when I was watching this, I thought I was having a unique and original and penetrating thought about Bruce Wayne's connection to Patrick Bateman. And then like the almost immediate thing I started uncovering my research is how well trod that theory is. Oh, like, there's yeah. YouTube videos about it. There's like 40,000 word essays about it. It's like, shit, shit. Thought I thought I had an original one. Yeah. Uh, uh so here's, here's the one thing that I wish that I think would have connected me more to this movie in a traditional sense, because I, I do think the movie is brilliant for what it's doing. Um, I would have liked to know a little bit more about why Patrick Bateman is the way he is. Like what made him yeah. into this monster? What if he's maybe, yeah. Cause like either, what if he's just like, like is there's the, nothing like he's just, born has he, that way. right. Has he always been this crazy or is it like the chase of this perfect image that's made him that way? You know, like, what does it what does it say about how we are producing people like this in society as or opposed to just, just like how we're that's what I'm saying like uh, we're housing them uh, my feeling from what I've actually read on the subject is that this is something you're born with hmm. okay and it maybe it's hereditary so like it can it can seem like you know like if you've got a psychopathic mother or father then you're gonna have probably a pretty fucked up untraditional childhood but like hmm. 
no amount of like torment and abuse can make someone psychopathic. Hmm. You can okay. you can make them traumatized and like a lot of other things, but you can't make them like a fucking psychopath. I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. Sure. That's just what my understanding from my layman's understanding of the reading I've done of late on the subject. Hmm. Um, but don't take that to the well, bank. Well, then maybe we could have seen, you know, his parents. What are they like? Yeah. Like they allude, um, like they, they're alluded to, like, you know, he's not like, cause if they didn't mention his father, like he could just have sprung out of like the fucking ground fully formed, you yeah. know, because he, there is, there is no past there. There's no ethos. There's no mm-hmm. like even appreciation, like real appreciation of art or, or, or culture. The things that like we kind of, I see in other people as, you know, when you're trying to make connections with people, right? And like, oh, is this person I'm going to be friends with or not? Like, there's not, there's nothing for you to 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 latch onto there with him. No, there's not even like a a reflection from Bateman himself on like why he thinks he's this way. Even you know, his, it's, when he it's talks just, about, yeah. it's matter of fact. I am this way. When he but, talks about his school, like, there's nothing meaningful about it. It's just a shallow. Uh, he says he's a Harvard guy and he makes a shallow. Hackneyed yeah. observation about Yale men. Uh-huh. Like, there's nothing distinctive or personal about any of that. Yeah. Which, may- maybe that's part of the point. You know, you want this character to be sort of a black hole. Yeah, because, like, you know, that I do feel like that, the, the, that both the writer and director kind of played a little dance where, like, they want you to identify, but they... I think they both would feel like they failed if, they, if people... Because that's the thing, like... I'm actually surprised <laughs> there isn't a segment of the the dark parts of the internet where these types of people congregate that doesn't, I've never seen like an image meme that looks up the J the, the Patrick Bateman, the way you do see like Ed Norton and, uh, uh Brad History Pitt. X. Oh, well, yeah. yeah, especially that, but, but, but Brad Pitt in like fight club. Right. Where like dude bros see that fucking film and completely take the wrong message from it and see it right. as a prescription for like the truth, the true authentic way to live your life. Like, Mm-hmm. I'm actually kind of shocked, or may- maybe maybe there's a gallows humor part of like the Wall Street Bros that have posters of Patrick Bateman. Ironically, yeah, the same way some of these people like post Nazi imagery. Ironically, and you know, it's like I, it's Poe's law, right? Have you seen um, Boiler Room? I've not seen Boiler oh, Room. Oh man, that's a good movie. That's that's that Matt is, Damon. And, nah, no, 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 no. It's Vin Diesel and Giovanni Ribisi. And it's Vin Diesel in, like, a serious dramatic role. He's actually really good. Is Vince Vaughn in that, too? Yes. Okay. Yes, he is. I I think so. I thought sure Matt Damon is in that, too. Uh, ben Affleck's in it. Ah, well, there you go. Yeah. His brother. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, no, I have not. I want to see movie. that. I want to see that. I might be confusing Vince Vaughn and Ben Affleck in, in that role. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Ben Affleck. Yeah, no, it is. I just looked up the cast. It's definitely okay. you, the, the the big three. You're right there. Vin Diesel, Ben Affleck, and Giovanni Ribisi. Yeah. There's no Vince Vaughn to be found. That's another good Wall Street movie. This movie, this movie is not really about Wall Street. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not not about Wall Street, though. It, it takes place in a setting that revolves around Wall Street, but I don't think this is has anything... I don't know. I guess it does have something to say about Wall Street. Mm. Yeah. What else do you want to talk about? I mean, I I want to highlight the. What do you think is the best scene in this film? Um, or the most impress maybe the best scene or slash most impressive performance by Christian Bale. Oh well, when you put it that way, it's the confession scene, 
Right. Um, that confession scene is a great piece of acting. <laughs> it really is. Of, of yeah. something like I'm not – usually I when I say something's a good piece of acting, it's because they put me in the place and moment to identify exactly that feel. Mm-hmm. Whereas this is like – it's essentially watching a xenomorph from Aliens losing their shit on the telephone. Yeah. But – even though I don't know, I, I don't know what that would look like. I think it looks exactly like this, you know. Yeah, like, it, I, I don't know what a psychopath feeling empathy for their own lost humanity would feel like, but I bet it's exactly like this. Yeah, no, it's it's a complete breakdown of that image that he's been trying to build. Right? right. It's, it's it's everything that he's been maybe not even actively suppressing, but that that hasn't been surfaced surfacing in that moment, and but, I. But not because he's a bad guy, but because he's not going to be able to do it anymore. Right. Like there's that, right. there's that kind of like this genuine emotion, not over any contrition or like yeah. like it's it's a trite thing to like. Well, are you are you sad because you actually realize what a terrible person you are? Or are you sad because you got caught? Sure. Like this is the epitome of sad because you got caught. Yeah. But it, it's pretty effective. And, and I I would some in some movies I would ascribe like overacting to this moment, but I think it's earned like the the idea that this guy is a psychotic totally. personality um a, a lot of the stuff that he does early on builds to this like when he kills paul allen mm. that's that's the other standout scene in my opinion um, well paul <laughs> right just the way the the fun he's having right the the way he's and what and what a dope paul allen is he's going to sit in his chair that's <laughs> sure. got all this carefully duct taped yeah. newspaper underneath him he's very drunk at the time he is very drunk but, and maybe even drugged because we see that patrick perhaps. bateman uh has a couple plays out of the bill cosby playbook yep uh but yeah that all leads into this truly unhinged performance yeah. um when he he's confessing and i think it's brilliant um, I do too. Those are my two favorite scenes. They also, um, there's this character uh, actor, Kara Seymour, um, who plays the, the 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 prostitute. He picks up and brutalizes, and then talks her back into. She's he's the one that he ends up chainsawing on to death. Yeah, she's really good. The and one who sort of looks like Uma Thurman, maybe. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> uh, like Uma Thurman and Elizabeth Moss got got mixed in a blender. Okay, um, yeah. She was one of the best things in The Nick, the first two seasons, oh, uh, yeah. the only two seasons of The Nick. Uh, she played this uh, uh, disgraced nun who was disgraced because she helped women get uh, abortions hmm. back when that was super frowned on. Yeah. Um, so I thought she she did really excellent work. And it's funny because, like, Reese Witherspoon... Reese Witherspoon, like, I, is is it good or bad? Like, she's just playing like the most generic, uh, legally blonde, <laughs> clueless, clueless yeah. type of like. That's not even her film, and she, but she, she, she's playing uh, yeah. that. She's playing that. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know if it's good or bad. She's just she's doing what the role requires. Yeah, and I, I don't know. In that, it's pretty good. Um, shall we? Like, I think now we should bat clean up. We should go over to Ryland's uh, feedback and okay. uh, see see what he has to say. He goes, this is one of my favorite movies. I'm extremely interested in your feedback on Kristen Bale playing Patrick Bateman as a high-functioning sociopath that blends into the people around him. Uh, I have a few questions. I've heard that Kristen Bale says he bases performance off of Tom Cruise. Do you see this? That's off interesting. Tom Cruise. Had he jumped on the couch yet? Uh, no. But there is something fundamentally artificial about Tom Cruise. And if you ever penetrate that... 
Like I'm thinking Matt Lauer's interview. <laughs> he disappears into smoke. <laughs> what I think of Matt interviews, what, he's vanquished. Like like, like during during his couch jumping spree, he did a lot yeah. of press because he was trying to. Right. I don't know what he's trying to do. He's already promote most, Scientology. I think. Yeah, I think there was this thing like, hey, it's time for us to take off our mask and let Zeno let like let let Lord Zeno out yeah. and shed uh, our prescription and, pills and, and, and say how like what a scam psychiatry is and all that stuff yep. and. He, I remember this interview with Matt Lauer where Matt Lauer is trying to, like, inject some kind of sanity. Now, funny enough, turns out Matt Lauer is a fucking monster <laughs> who had, like, a fucking rape room in his studio, in, in his office in the NBC studios for years and years. Unbeyond hmm. Snow. So we're, we're watching two psychopaths duel. Yep. Um, and, like... Jesus Christ. It's a shit show! This fucking entertainment world we uh, live in is a shit show, man. It's, it's I'm, and, I'm and, laughing and, right now in the same way I laugh when Christian Bale flips yes! on Genesis and murders two prostitutes. Like, like I remember, I remember thinking, like, wow, me. look at Matt Lauer taking at this crazy dude, and he's just yeah. as fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, anyway, you, there's this point where Matt Lauer's really pr- 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 pressing it, and and fucking Tom Cruise snaps, and uh-huh. that. Nice mask falls off, and you can see him for like the fucking probably son of a bitch he really is, and then it goes could, back could and it yeah. snaps back into place. Mm-hmm. I, I so I would totally buy it. I totally buy it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I think if if I'm being nice, if I'm being generous to Tom Cruise, I would say everybody I, has a point. Sure, where they're pushed beyond it and they have to become an asshole for a moment. I'm not proud, and that doesn't necessarily define them. That's but, true. That's but true. Yes, there is something. About the nature of Tom Cruise's job, I think, that requires a certain artificiality, um, much like Patrick Bateman. And, and, it, and I guess that's the thing. Like, I would hate for someone to see me at my worst moment and be like, oh, there's the real A-Ron. Right. But right. on the other hand, I don't think anyone could accuse me of, like, putting on a front of yeah. just bland congeniality charm. Like, that's not kind of my game, <laughs> That's man. not what we do here at Ball <laughs> No. So, like, I, I guess, like, since since I, I my public persona is a flawed flawed human being that tries mostly to do to do right, like, if, if, if I yeah. got, like, if, if I got in an angry argument with Matt Lauer, uh, <laughs> people wouldn't be like, oh, fuck, there's a real psycho, dead-eyed, mackerel, mackerel-faced killer that we always knew you'd be. <laughs> Whereas Tom Cruise, like... <laughs> Who's the who's Tom Cruise's childhood friend that's going to step forward and say I've been with him from the beginning and he's you know he's a weird dude he's a weird dude in a weird religion yeah Elizabeth Moss like, there's a big conversation on you know uh, on the forums because I always forget that Elizabeth Moss is a Scientologist but oh really it is kind of huh. mind blowing to see her playing a woman in this repressed abusive religious cult when she <laughs> is in fact a woman. In this repressed, abusive religious cult. Wow. Uh, yeah. So yeah, let's let's get on the next one. Uh, what is Bald Moose business card font type, and how about your white face? Mm. First of all, I, I definitely like the color bone. Bone's a good color. White face, super racially inoffensive or offensive. Yes. Uh, uh, so let's not talk about that. Would you have any embossing? I feel like. You know, here's the thing: is um, Bald Moose fonts are what you, you is known in the industry as essentially basic bitch. We're like Arial Helvetica. Um, is is like what what all is the, the actual, what the is the actual ones. bald move font? Uh, we actually, for the most part, I've been using like GT Walshime. Oh, that's certainly yeah, which I, is not a standard font, right? In, I feel like we we've, stuff, we've remade the bald move logo enough times, we have, and, and so it's like slightly different because I'm always trying to ape your fonts. 
And what I'm going to do, call you up at 2 o'clock in the morning and ask what font you use when I need <laughs> when I need a crisp logo. Yeah, um, they're all installed on the, the editing machine. So right, right. If you need a logo... So, that's where you go. And there's four dots. It's hard to... Yeah. Hard to, to, and and uh, we have... We've we had have... business cards in the past. We have. And they were nothing like the Patrick Bateman business no, card. They were they were hilarious. Yeah. There, there were a lot of bad ones, a lot of dumb ones. There were a lot of uh, inkjet-generated printed ones yeah. that had uh, like like edges that seemed like they were just like punched out of cardstock. <laughs> or hand-cut by scissors, perhaps. Yeah. Let's, let's put it this way. Uh, Patrick Bateman wouldn't see my business card and want to kill me. No. So... No, I no jealousy I'm, there. I think I'm doing all right. Uh, what do you think about the ending, uh, especially the narration, exploding cars? I think we kind of talked about that, that increasingly it seems like the worst parts of this movie are just Patrick Bateman's fantasy. Yes. And in, in my mind, certainly. That's where, like, I the, 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 the one-two punch of him going into his own building and, and seeing a different guard that he hadn't shot and then going out and having a shootout with the police where he won and blew up a car. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, that's got to be. But I guess my question is, when did it stop being real? And I, you know, like, like I, I, it feels like I would like the movie less if I could conclusively prove that no one died. Mm-hmm. And I'd also like the movie less if I someone was conclusively able to prove that everything was reality, including the explosive shootout with the p- police. Yeah. No, the ambiguity serves this movie well. It's got to live in that kind of yeah. uncanny valley, right? Um, what's your read on William Defoe's character? I. What I, do you mean? What do you mean read on? He, he's, he's. Is he real or because the thing oh, is, Will, yeah, William Defoe's a weird is. guy too. Like, there's a couple t- points where he like widens his eyes and he's like antichrist mixed with green goblin willem dafoe and he's like semi-satanic as he and i think oh man he's gonna he he's got a beat on he's got this intuitive beat on patrick bateman Mm -hmm. and it's gonna be his undoing and it never happens right and i think huh is that telling me that he's interviewed all these wall street guys and patrick bateman did not stand out as being like is the because that's an interesting thing for the movie you, to say you know what uh, like I all think... these guys are fucking weird so like patrick bateman didn't stand out for being exceptionally weird or setting off any of his bells right like a lot of people are saying okay these these confused identities are really just a result of how similar everyone is um but i don't buy that because human beings can recognize other human beings very well Unless they're all sociopaths, which could be one of the thesis sure. of the movies. Here, uh, so the movie. I think I'm coming down on the side of of fucking Green Goblin. What's his name? Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. not being real, and and I think it's because he calls him Patrick Bateman. Because I don't think Patrick Bateman is a real person. Because mm-hmm. when he's talking to his lawyer, he calls him Davis or something. Right. Um, Patrick Bateman to me. Well, shit. I mean, doesn't doesn't Reese Witherspoon call him Patrick every so often? Yeah, but that could be is one of real? his many. <laughs> that, I mean, that could be one of his many aliases. Hmm. I I, I don't know. Now, now that I've thought about it for what an hour and twelve minutes, uh, I I see the holes in your thesis. But again, that might be part of like like I if I watch this movie five more times and still like I can't tell exactly what's happened, I'd almost admire it more. Mm-hmm. Because there's something he said for unreliable narrators and you just having to kind of like, you know, like the other work this year that the or last year that Justin Thoreau was was involved in the leftovers. At the end of the day, it's kind of like you got to choose your own adventure and and what you think about it says something about you. Like 
it could be that if you believe that all this Justin Bateman stuff is fake and fantasy, then you just can't accept that there are really people like this or that fucked up. Or if you think that's all completely real, maybe your prejudice against Wall Street types leads you to believe that like there's some unique monster that you could never be because you are not a Wall Street bro type of dude. I, I don't know. Mm. Well, I think there's something that is a fantasy here uh, because the end of the movie is completely unnecessary and, in fact, uh, intentionally confusing and misleading, mm. if not, because – uh, Christian Bale's Patrick Bateman has the same realization. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit, I I haven't actually been doing any of this stuff. Right. I think. I mean, that seems the obvious thing that it's trying to say at the end. Yeah, yeah. So some of it has to be fantasy. I think. I mean, clearly it, the it cops on where fucking didn't happen. Right, no right. Way. I mean, there's a moment where he looks no at his gun way. and he's like, "Could that even happen? Like, what the fuck?" Right. Or he starts to even question his own fantasy. Right. Um. So some of it's fantasy. I don't know where to draw the line. And and I, I feel like Willem Dafoe's character is an interesting question. Like, is he or isn't he real? Mm-hmm. And it's tough to tell. Uh, I have to see it again, I'm sure. He also asks, why do you think someone with such a blatant lack of empathy, such as Patrick Bateman, who could go on to hurt so many people, can fit into society so well? Do you have any theories uh, on Because that? society is broken. <laughs> It encourages things that are easy to fake. Well, the other thing is, like, it's actually hard to take stands for anything. Like, it's like, you know, I was talking about Poe's Law, and what I've realized is, every like, sometimes when I very strongly state a, um, a philosophical or, um, you know, political opinion that I strongly hold, and I think it's even based on evidence, I realize that the more forthright and emphatic I state that, the more I sound like a caricature of someone making that argument. Like, I sure. could, like, I, all I have to do is put 5% more spin on this, and I'm making fun of the thing that I'm passionate about. Right. And every time I do, I feel like uh, I can hear in the back of my head all the arguments against what I'm saying, because it's not like in any particular political or philosophical or religious truth that you would espouse – there's always problems. There's always like, yeah, buts, or what about this, or, and like, you can get paralyzed by that. And I think the sociopath superpower is they float above all that, they, they, that none of that shit, that, that, that buzz that's in most of our heads, right. that tells us that we are probably wrong, like, as, you know, or we, like, like, that doesn't, that doesn't exist. And I think that's why they're so effective at this camouflage because. They're free of these weird biases and social graces to do, you know, like, like, look at how vicious he is with, like, the poor laundry people and, and, like, like, you know, he knows that because of their station, he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to be nice to them at all. But, like, someone that he's trying to get something out of, he's very, very charming. He knows exactly how much of a shit he has to give at any given time. And it's like he's got this clarity of, I guess, purpose and free from the emotional like need to be wanted and liked. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why it, it's uh, like they're it makes them very efficient like predators, I suppose. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, to kind of ex- expound on the idea that at least a portion of society is broken. I, I think like valuing the things that are easy to fake. Um, he he can very easily have good style. He can very yeah. easily look like he's well put together yeah um 
but try and get an honest human reaction out of that person right. and he will fail every time. Try and get him to show some compassion, yeah. some true compassion, he will fail every time. Right. Um, but we don't value those things. We don't reward those things we in say the same we way do. that we Sure, we say we do, but in in actuality, like look at the people who are getting fat and happy. It reminds me a lot of like what Dan Carlin would say about the 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 transition between the Roman and Imperial epics of Rome that like Rome had these ideals of stoicism and civic virtue and um selflessness and valor but what they actually rewarded were like results and sure. what people did is they could figure out a way that like I'll get results ruthlessly and I will fake the humility and the platitudes and you know that's the thing like like the like you're right about we say that we like certain things and we there's a certain ethos that we admire here in America but you look at the people that we reward mm-hmm. and you look at the things that actually matter and it's all money and bottom line right um and I don't know because you know that's that's a lot of these problems are like problems are institutional problems political problems problems with just the 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 system of capitalism Mm -hmm. which is better than everything that's come before it but maybe (laughs) Uh in a post-scarcity society we should look at other other things um i I don't know man it's but it's a great film because i think all those questions are up for grabs yeah absolutely and they're also like no super easy answers um and painful transitions and painful uh painful processes to like fix the problems here in in society that that stuff like this that these movies that this movie points out mm-hmm. um finally rylan asked do we like huey lewis yeah yeah i do i i, I can't be a fan of back to the future no. and, and, and hate huey lewis man you have I, I, a house divided against itself cannot stand i don't think anybody got through the 80s without at least liking Huey Lewis a little bit. What do you think about the criticism that Huey Lewis is aggressively like, 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 like it's almost like Huey Lewis is the Garfield of music. Like Jim Davis. I think it's a well-known that, that Jim Davis cynically created Garfield as a way to get rich license in licensing and, and comics. It's not funny. It's just, it's just, it's just fucking bullshit broad-based cat humor to appeal to the fucking yeah. it's the opiate of the masses right i think you could make this argument that huey lewis did the same thing with music sure that doesn't make the music necessarily bad that's true that's He's, true. he wrote a lot of catchy songs just like i have chuckled at a garfield or two right <laughs> right <laughs> he does love lasagna that cat loves lasagna. The cat cat loves lasagna and being an asshole, which <laughs> is is like my cat. It's so relatable and hates his owner. Yeah. Hates his owner, right? <laughs> like it's you know, and the dog's a fucking stupid drill machine. Like it's, it's every things that m- most people can agree on or get angry at. That's so yeah. Huey Lewis. Uh, I don't know. That's the thing. Like speaking of Poe's law, it's virtually indistinguishable to tell like a genuine pop act hmm. that yeah. has any kind of soul and merit from a you know industry created machine right like is justin timberlake actually a talented he's a good singer at the very least he's a good dancer he's a funny guy i think but he was also part of a very cynical pop machine absolutely and he made his bones doing that Mm -hmm. maybe you can be both maybe fuck if i know i'm not an artist we've established that (laughs) uh Anyway, congratulations for winning the Fantasy Football League, Rylan. Uh, great pick of movie. I'm glad I'm glad that you have refreshed my memory of American Psycho with an authentic memory of American Psycho, not a bullshit, bleached, brainwashed facsimile that I saw on Basic Cable one afternoon. 
Um, and uh, we've got two more of the football commissions before we get back to our regularly scheduled slate of commissions. We got Prisoners, 2013, and Lost Boys, 1987. Both of those are going to be super fun and coming out real soon. Uh, again, unfortunately, we're not we're not taking new commissions right now uh, until we get uh, our our existing clay. Like our our oldest commission is November 10th, 2016. This it's disgusting that we are. 14 months behind on this thing. So we should, we're not taking new commissions uh, until we get this thing cleaned up and we're going to decide how to go forward with that. Um, so like I, I'm getting that asked a lot because I no longer put a link to the commission podcasting and the commission podcast. Well, it's because we're stopped doing it for right for just for right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but be looking out uh, for new stuff to come at baldmove.com until we get to the next one. We'll see, uh, I'm Aaron and I'm Jim and we'll see you then.